The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. Adam, it's great to uh, to be talking to you in the Eastern time zone for myself after two episodes of us being in the same time zone, which was nice for the experience. I'm finally back home after about eh, 14, 15 hours of travel yesterday, Manchester to New York back to North Carolina. I really I really should have just gone straight to Milwaukee and, and caught some of this red series. But alas, you were catching I, a lot of a lot of Brewers gear on your travels, right? In the airports on the uh, way out and on the way home. Yeah, on the way out I got a few go Brewers because of the hat I was wearing. I I wore my Brewers hat throughout my travels and especially in England because you know it's a very neutral thing to be wearing, you know, if I'm walking out to meet the delivery man out in front of my quarantine hotel, I wasn't going to wear my Liverpool hat uh, in, in case, you know, uh, I entered into some hostile territory. So Brewers Nation is more spread out than you think. Even getting home yesterday, bleary eyed walking through Raleigh Durham International Airport guy in front of me on the plane, Brewers backpack. So uh, the brew crew are out and about and, uh, we're we're international, we're national, we're East Coast, we're Southern, we're we're all over the place, as as we've seen from some of the lovely reviews we got. 
for sure it is great to to see you back in your natural habitat i'm sure everyone else will feel it's great to hear you through a microphone again so all things are looking back up we're ready to get back into a groove while you were away and you did predict that this would happen before you went away the grew the brewers found a bit of a groove themselves and that i guess carried over in some interesting ways i it's talking about this series after I finished is is kind of unfortunate given how the first two games went but after a tough series to open the season against the Cubs it was nice to uh, get the Cubs to come to Milwaukee and for the Brewers to put on a show for quite a lot of it yeah that's what they did and the first two games were filled with fireworks and and extra base hits and in particular home runs I mean we were talking on earlier episodes like this team's good. They're probably going to run away with the division at some point, and their pitching keeps them in games, and they have a knack for winning close games. But we just want, you know, we want one where it's over in the sixth inning, and it's a blowout, and by the time we get to the ninth, we don't have to send Josh Hader out for a stressful inning. And then in this series against the Cubs, we got two of those games, and uh, the Brewers' offense really showed up, and that started in, in game one, a pitching matchup. Uh, between Adrian Hauser and Kyle Hendricks. And, you know, after Kyle Hendricks' opening day start against the Cubs, where he was really kind of just throwing that change up and that two-seam fastball and making batters look silly, he he has a knack for doing that. I always say he's kind of like uh, the poor man's Greg Maddox, but he does it very well. And uh, he he kind of seems to have the Brewers' numbers a little bit. And... That was not the case in game one of this series between the, the Brewers and the Cubs. The Brewers scored early and often and via the home run. Um, things got started early in the second inning. Lorenzo Kane reaches on an infield single shortstop, which would score Rowdy Tellez. And then the homer parade started off by one of the more unlikely members uh, of the team and someone that's really had a tough start to the season, Jace Peterson homers, to make it 3 nothing. We go to the third inning, Andrew McCushion, uh, fresh off of his uh, homer and game-winning single against the Pittsburgh Pirates in his return home, hits a home run to make it 4 nothing. We set, go to the fifth inning, but they weren't done. Christian Yelich absolutely crushes a ball right center field to score himself and Willie Adamas to make it 6 nothing. Later in the fifth inning, Hunter Rimfro uh, hits an opposite field shot to make it 7 nothing, And... At that point, like like I said, it's um, game's over in the seventh inning. Adrian Hauser is in a groove and just like taking advantage of what the offense is giving him. And the Brewers are in total control of the game. And it was almost like a shock to the system because it wasn't something we were used to seeing this year. Absolutely. <laughs> we're not used to seeing six home run games for the Brewers very often. We could definitely get used to it. I think that's... That's something everyone will agree with after this. But it's also, it's interesting for all of the offensive struggles we've talked about. You see a game like this, and when you see some of these guys find a little bit of form, find a little bit of confidence, and it's it's hard not to then come around on it the other way and see see how this roster might work, how there is a world where the offense could be there when you go, oh, sure, Andrew McCutcheon, like, he's looked great at the plate, and Obviously, his track record speaks for itself. Willie Adonis and what he's become. Christian Yelich showing signs of life again. Some really encouraging stuff. If he can continue to do that, I 
I don't think it ever has to be that it's an every night thing. And maybe we've all given up on that. But if pretty regularly there'll be nights where it looks like he's back, I think over the course of the season, that will net out as a, a big plus for the Brewers. Rowdy Tellas, we talked about a lot. Hunter Renfro is really, really stepping up in big ways. Like all of a sudden you start to look down, you're like, yeah, there, there are actually some consistent, reliable, legitimate hitters on this team. It doesn't always yeah, feel like it, but this is the kind of game which also gives you hope in the bigger picture because it reminds you that maybe some of these guys are better than what we've seen from them so far, too. Absolutely. It reminds you what they're capable of and their performance can <laughs> match the name recognition and and what you know they've done in the past, especially with guys like Yelich and I think Renfro coming into this team. Um, this power surge that we're seeing from him in, in the last few games is what I expected from him, he's a guy that might strike out a bunch and, and frustrate you to that end, but he's got a lot of power, and especially when he's letting the ball get deep in his at-bats and he's taking it to right field and and kind of working with what the pitcher's giving him. That opposite field power is a huge weapon for him, and it, it showed itself in this series. Adrian Hauser was really good, kind of just doing what you expect from Adrian Hauser. Um Scattered five base runners across six innings, uh, six innings, two hits, three walks, six strikeouts, no runs, none earned, and, and just uh, another reliable start from Adrian Hauser. We talk about this Brewers pitching staff that one through five, oh, one through six, actually, and uh, maybe one through seven at some point in a starting rotation can all give you a quality start. And, and that's something that's incredibly valuable. And it's a luxury in a game when you score 11 runs. Uh, Hobie Milner came in in the seventh inning. Uh, allowed a hit and walked a batter. Um, and then we saw Craig Council again with the the quick hook, taking him out and not letting his pitch his way out of a game that's, you know, 7 nothing, which is something that we kind of like to, to see happen. Yandel Gustave came in, who overall pitched well, uh, one in a third inning, uh, one walk and a strikeout, but uh, did allow Patrick Wisdom to score on a wild pitch, would ultimately get out of that seventh inning with no further damage. In the seventh, Hunter Renfro would homer to right center again, scoring himself and Rowdy Tellez to make it 9-1. And then in the eighth inning, uh, the National League Player of the Week for last week, Willie Adamas homer to left field to score himself and Colton Long. And the Brewers would end up with an 11-1 win. Jake Cousins would close down the ninth inning uh, before going on the IL with an elbow effusion. I don't know exactly what that is. Um, but it'll be interesting to monitor Jay Cousins' health moving forward. But all in all, a pretty easy day for the Brewers, getting an 11-1 win, which is absolutely uh, electric performances. Willie Adamas, two for five, two runs, two RBI, and the homer, Christian Yelich, uh, one for three, one run scored, two RBI, two walks, and that home run. Andrew McCutcheon, one for five with that home run. Uh, Rowdy Tellez, one for three, two runs scored, a walk. Just guys getting on base hitting home runs. It was just uh, a feast for the offensive senses. And then the guy that I would say had the best game, Hunter Renfro, two for four, two runs scored, three RBI on those two home runs. Just uh, an exceptional day for the Brewers offense. And and like you said, something that gives you optimism moving forward that this can, you know, not happen every game. But if you have a, a couple times a week where the offense is, is taking some of that pressure off the pitching staff, you really like uh what that does for the ceiling of what the Brewers can be as a baseball team. And the surge is real for Hunter Renfro because I mean, early in the season, nothing was happening for him at all. Like it was, it was like a pretty tough in the first couple of weeks. 
He's now, I believe he's leading the team in um, batting average. He's tied with Willie Adamas for home run leader. So he's put the foot down in a hurry. And just the fact that you even have a guy who's capable of that, of, you know, getting hot, this is something that you have always told me. This is what baseball is about. It's about come playoffs. If you can just be the team that, that gets a nice run like that. Hunter Renfro is the kind of guy that, for a Brewers team where offense is not a guarantee, timing could always factor into it. If timing goes your way, he could really put you in a good, good spot, when, particularly when your pitching is as reliable as it is for the Brewers. And he, he had an opportunity to further his, uh, his run-producing um, stats in game two against the Cubs as we move on to the second game of the series. This this time it was a little different to start, Adam. There was some more of the same, but there was also uh, some interesting facets of this. So the Brewers got the the uh, scoring started early in this one, scoring in the first inning. Uh, Renfro reached on an infield single that was kind of a squibber off the end of the bat and just uh, kind of defied logic and defied physics and it was just one of those quirks of what happens when you try and hit a round ball coming very fast with a round bat and you catch it in a weird way but it worked out uh Renfro reached on on the uh the ball that was hit kind of in front of the catcher between first and first and the catcher was very weird situation McCutcheon scored Yelich to third one nothing lead in the first for Milwaukee Kesson here a single would score Yelich uh and then Rowdy Tellez would hit a single to score Renfro making it three nothing um Brewers after the first inning, staking Eric Lauer to a three-run lead, and despite allowing a home run to Jan Gomes in the second inning to make it three runs, three-one, excuse me, um, Lauer would largely take advantage of those that run sport. Coming off a game where uh, Lauer was exceptional, but the story was kind of Angel Hernandez's uh, wide strike zone. Lauer showed that he's. He's not a, a one-hit wonder. Obviously, we weren't thinking that at all as people that follow the Brewers because we've seen how he's been since, I think it was like August last year. Um, he's been exceptional, one of the, the I best think since June. I can't remember the exact date, but of last year, he's like third <laughs> in Major League Baseball for ERA, and he's ahead of Corbin Burns. So. Yeah, he's, he's like tr- truly one of the – the best pitchers in baseball that probably no one other than Milwaukee Brewers fans know about. I mean, he's, and especially there's been an uptick in velocity for him this year, and that's bearing itself out in the strikeout numbers. The zoom ball. Um, The zoom ball. Yeah. I love, and I wanted to say, I love that Eric Lauer basically treats pitching like Rick Vaughn for major league two, where he's naming his pitches like the terminator and the eliminator and all of that. Like, it's just, it's it's fun. Baseball's supposed to be fun. So yeah, three one after the uh, second inning homer from Jan Gomes, and then the Brewers weren't done scoring. Mike Brasso single to left in the third to score Lorenzo Kane to make it four one, and then uh, podcast favorite Rowdy Tellez in the fifth inning two run home run scores himself and Hunter Renfro to make it six one. Um, Lauer would uh, go seven innings, five hits, one run on the Gomes homer. One walk, 11 strikeouts, just a great performance to lower his ERA to 1.93 on the season. He's just been exceptional. Um, the Brewers weren't done scoring in the eighth inning. Christian Yelich would hit yet another homer, scoring himself and Willie Adamas to make it 8 1. 
Renfro, his third home run of the series in the eighth to make it 9-1 Brewers. And the Brewers' bullpen would finish things off from there. Um, Trevor got with an inning and a strikeout. Jake Cousins, who would go on the aisle after this game. I misspoke earlier. Uh, two walks in, in the ninth to make things a little interesting, but then three strikeouts to, to end the game. Another just exceptional offensive performance from the Brewers in the standouts were Christian Yelich, three for five, two runs scored. Um, the home run, Hunter Renfro, three for five, three runs scored, two RBI, the home run. Um, and then Rowdy Tellez, uh, reliable as everyone who gets the opportunity, two for four, one run scored, three RBI. And the Brewers offense just showing what they're capable of two games in a row. It's it's not a fluke if you do a back-to-back game. It becomes a trend, Adam. For sure. Nice that even when we get later into the pod and we're giving out our master brew points, our leader this point in the season has been Josh Hader. But on the last pod, we talked about you know, it would be great if they could find some games, some series where they do not have to turn to Josh Hader. Um, as it has been, it's not just that they have to turn to him. It's generally multiple nights, consecutive nights, that they have to rely on Hader to close out games for them. We didn't have to see him in this series because the run support was there, certainly for the pitching in a big way through the first two games. But also, I mean, no real issues with... With the bullpen guys in closing that out, there was a level of uh, competence, which you would certainly like to continue to see, particularly if the Brewers can get some games where they open up a healthy lead that they can hold on to and not need to turn to the likes of Box, Devin Williams, and most importantly of all, Josh Hader late in games, just to buy some, some rest time so that by the time the playoffs come around, you haven't already burned Josh Hader's arm out. Yeah, that's probably the most important encouraging thing or not the most encouraging thing but one of the byproducts of when the offense uh stands out that you don't feel like you have to use them every single game and uh as it would happen uh they would the 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 what what are we calling them the holy triumvirate of uh of bullpen arms in brad boxberger uh devin williams and josh Hader did not have to pitch at all in this series. Uh, although, in Game 3, as we transition, that's what we call I think it. the Brewers would have liked if there was a need for them to come out in Game 3. I, I would have as well. I, this is what we call in the business as a seamless transition, Adam. Uh, game 3 between the Chicago Cubs and the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, the it, the it was best, thing like... about, best thing about Game 3 of the Chicago Cubs and the Milwaukee Brewers, and I'm sure probably everyone listening agrees, is that it... Uh, it went, it ran alongside game one of Book Celtics. <laughs> and the Bucks were, were looking really good. They got a big win. And I had it, I was in a two screen situation until the end, where, you know, right up until the end and the way the order had fallen, you're like, you know, maybe there's a chance. Maybe this thing isn't over yet. Um, but yeah, this is the most. Uh, the most forgettable or the game we might want to forget most of all the Brewers games for probably two, two and a half weeks. Um, I was also on a two screen setup. It's the first time they've been shut out since they play the Orioles on either the 10th or 11th of April. So despite the offensive struggles, this itself is a rarity. Yes. And unfortunately, 
I, I was on a two-screen setup as well, but I spent the majority of my time watching the baseball game, which was a big mistake on my part, um, especially because I missed all the like just the great role player contributions that Grayson Allen was making in that game. There you go. Your um, guys coming up good for the books. Yeah, commit to the bit. Uh, if, if I can teach anyone anything, commit to the bit. Um, but this game uh, would have been the marquee game going into the series because of the pitching matchup, Marcus Stroman, although he struggled to start this season, uh, is a very good starting pitcher, and Corbin Burns uh, is the best pitcher in baseball. And they both kind of pitched that way. I mean, this was not necessarily a bad performance from Corbin Burns, but um, when you get no run support, that's kind of what will happen. The Brewers, as we said, scored no runs, only uh, compiled three hits, only one extra base hit, which was a Tyrone table, Tyrone Taylor double, um, 0 for 5 runners in scoring position, uh, four runners left on base. As we said, Burns, seven innings pitch, four hits, two runs, both earned one walk, 10 strikeouts. Uh, Patrick Wisdom, Homer in the fifth inning, and Isaiah Suzuki double in the sixth inning uh, were how Chicago got those runs. Marcus Stroman was uh, really good. Um, seven innings pitched, two hits, one walk, five strikeouts. Um, really just kind of, I think his command what was was most uh, uh, locked in for him. It's just he he wasn't giving the Brewers any anything to hit. He was hitting his spots to a degree where I think the Brewers were taking a lot of strikes because like they weren't pitches he could do you could do anything with that that two seamer from Stroman that kind of darts into the outside corner or in on your hands I mean you're just gonna pound that into the ground so he did a really nice job of just controlling the at bat um, for Milwaukee's hitters uh Willie Adamas hit a single Omar Narvaez hit a single and then that Tyrone Taylor double was was all they had to to work with the Cubs only mustered five hits but one of them was a home run and then Saya Suzuki who continues to look like an excellent player um, with the double. And and that was that. Um, Brent Suter, uh, two-thirds of an innings pitched, um, no runs, a walk. Uh, Yano Gustave um, pitched well in a situation that very well. kept, the, kept uh, the Brewers in the game late where you, know, you could talk yourself into a bloop and a blast, as they say, um, to get back into it and ending in a third pitch, two strikeouts, probably securing himself a spot on this roster, at least moving forward and at least over Jose. I, I, I think that was, I said this to you, I think how well he pitched may have been uh, important given the situation with options for the roster decisions to follow. And I know it's a roster decision that you and I were, were very, very relieved to see. Absolutely. I think they made the right decision. And uh, that was kind of that for the, the Cub series. Uh, two of three series win after a, sweep of the pirates if the brewers can take care of business and sweep the reds i'll have said that i think your prediction was or your suggestion was they need to take eight of nine on this series mm-hmm. uh this stretch of games because you're the brewers you are the dominant team in this division you're better than the the pirates the cubs and the reds significantly you need to take care of business to this point they have done that uh 15 and 8 record on the season after 23 games a game and a half up on St. Louis Cardinals, who are 13 and nine, and one game off the pace of the 16 and eight New York Mets, who currently have the best record in the uh, National League. Although 
they are tied on winning percentage with the Los Angeles Dodgers, who are 14 and 7. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, but Adam, I guess now the best thing to do is transition into some of those roster moves. Sure. Well, the one thing I was going to ask you, because we are... We're, we're still very much in small sample territory, but the sample is getting larger. We're getting to the point where we can take some meaningful uh, takeaways from what we're seeing. Is there anything, anything just jumping out to you generally, good, bad, about individual players, about lineup decisions that coming out of this series or at this point in the season that you do think is something that's worth keeping an eye on or that? Is worth stressing. I'll give you one if even to buy you some time there when you're thinking about it. I, I have I have one that's of interest. Um that's that's standing out to me. And I think it's as the roster shrinks and as Luis Urias comes back and gives you that key cog at third base and council has less opportunity to kind of slice and dice the lineup. I will be really interested to see if the bulk of the starts for Keston Hira against left-handed pitchers come at the expense of Colton Wong rather than Rowdy Tellez. I think we're getting to a point where, in terms of the bat, especially against lefties, you need Rowdy Tellez in the lineup a lot more than you need Colton Wong. And if you're trying to get Keston Hira at bats, that's where you need to start doing it. I don't know that Council will do that, but I think it's something that, he should do should he though based on the i colton has been tough tough to watch the bat is not really there from he comes up with his doubles to the corners um he, as, as we've talked about in many settings already and we'll probably have uh, more detailed conversations with soon he is fond of at least trying to get some bunts going i don't know how many he's successfully actually executed this season, but he does look for a bunt. I just, if if Kesson had done a little bit more, his opportunity has been limited, but if we'd seen some more of the carryover from his spring training performance, I'd agree with that. But I like, 
Council just is so reliant on Colton Wong. And I I feel that's a level of confidence in his defense, which is obviously... Which is misguided if you look at MLB's outs above average stat. He's dead last this year. Really? Yeah. He's got a knack for the spectacular. Do you think that's... Oh, yeah. I think he's... I think he's... uh like skill wise, a very solid defender. I think there's just some things probably that we're not seeing about his range that MLB stat casts are, are picking up. It's one of those situations where I think the eye test doesn't always align with the analytics and who knows how much noise and signal that there is in there, but the names that he's next to in this list kind of do <laughs> hold water for me. Like I doubt he's the worst defensive second baseman in baseball, but um, there's clearly something there um because it surprised me when i looked it up because i was i was going through now that we have a month of data i was going through like all right what brewers defenders like do i think are good and what is the data bearing out and one guy that i was like you know he he is playing well who how is he doing willie adamas he's ranked seventh with with two outs above average and then i i I was like okay i I expect colton to be in the top 10 and then he wasn't so that's kind of that was kind of like my – and I'll keep monitoring this over the season because uh, especially defensive data, which is very imprecise or just at the very least they've got a lot to like figure out because basically what you're is, doing – Is this an NBA looking, situation? Uh, I'm sure it's not as extreme as that, but where defensive numbers are much more difficult to quantify and see you've got to take them with a more than just a pinch of salt. It's got to be you know a, a handful of salt. Yeah, it's it's that's definitely the case. And there's a lot of year to year variance. Like last year, he graded out at 16th, which I think is a lot is probably a lot truer to where his talent level and skill level lies within the scope of all of Major League Baseball second baseman. Um, so it, it is one of those situations, but it, it was just kind of an eye opener for me. And it was one of those situations where in my mind, I'm like, all right, if you get to july august and the bat's still where it's at um you know if you're trying to force keston into the lineup uh, that's where you do it rather than rowdy that being said um i think this team's best nine right now would be narvaez at catcher urias at third adamas at short wong at second Tellez at first yelich taylor renfro across the outfit not in terms of defense, in terms of overall value with the bat as well. Well, this this was going to be my, the thing I was going to bring up as I'm disappointed in Tyrone Taylor so far. The opportunity is not at the level that it probably needs to be, particularly given how Kane is looking with the bat. Although, better week for him on that front. Um, although in interesting ways, um, some errors have certainly helped him and just his athleticism, his ability to to still run really well once he gets on base helps him out there. But like for Tyrone Taylor, nine hits, 44 at-bats, uh, one walk, 239 OBP, 364 slogan percentage, 603 OPS. I mean, he's not like that spot is there. That spot is there for anyone to go and grab, and he is not grabbing it. Would be my only thing on that right now. Which oh is yeah, a disappointing. Oh yeah, I don't think he's been good. But when you look at Kane's numbers, I and for sure, 
I, um, I mean, the, the thing with this, it, is, my real answer is who I want in center field is Bryce Terang, but yeah, we'll talk it, about that later. <laughs> I, I, that is the, it's either when it comes to a point where if Stearns is looking, okay, where, where is the move that like, hopefully with, with Luis Arias coming back and hopefully what we're seeing at the moment with Colton Long's defense picks up and his bat picks up. I, I think a lot of, a lot of your, I think eight spots and, your your best lineup should be should be secure and that then it will come down to either okay is there someone in the system that you want to take a look at from the miners or is that where you're going to go and make a trade because it's certainly a it's a tough tough spot right now because yeah lorenzo as great as he is still defensively it's not there for him with the bat but that is that is bad for Tyrell taylor like that is not what I was hoping to see. Maybe it's a case quite similar to uh, Kessenhura, where it's like, well, if you want to see more from those guys, you might just have to find more opportunity, and that could go back to for you, where maybe some some opportunity for Kessen over over Colton could be something that who knows it might unlock something. It's worth giving a try anyway. Um, he hasn't had a great start to the season, but considering his. Uh his breakout year last year you know i've told you this i want to trade for cedric mullins who we saw terrorize us in the series with baltimore he was great i don't think i don't think they're ready to give up on him just uh despite uh their inability to put together a winner anytime soon but you know I, so, I would love bringing him into the team so talk me through the idea of that just in an abstract sense because trade value is not something i have any handle on if if the Orioles were to be like, you know, we don't care, and sure, what what kind of what is the tier of prospects they'd be looking for in exchange in a deal like that? How does a deal look for a player like Cedric Mullins? So, because the Brewers system is probably not as deep as some other systems, it would you'd probably have to give one of the um, Terang, Freelick, Weimer small category, and then a couple more like lower down in the minors, uh, what we'll call projectable guys. So 18 year old pitcher in a ball who throws 99 miles an hour and scouts love him, but you don't know what he's going to be. So that would probably be a situation, <coughs> excuse me, where you got to give up one marquee prospect and then a couple of other guys. I, it's a weird situation and we'll talk about it over the coming weeks, but the brewers have a lot of guys who seem like, will turn into at the very least capable MLB average regulars, mm-hmm. but they don't have a lot of depth throughout that system where it's like uh, you, you see them on the, the top of uh, prospect ranking list. And they're like, Oh, they, they have all these guys that are, that are going to hit that are like 19 to 20 that just aren't ready yet. It seems like they've got a lot of like, especially now high minors guys uh, early twenties, mid 20s like really solid especially outfield bats and middle infield bats so it's a situation where i can't really see a trade coming um for that reason because it's just like we don't have a lot of chips at the table i don't know that we want to cash them in and it's Uh, also that some of the strengths if they were to promote internally is with outfielders yeah and and especially a situation i mean this ownership group is concerned about payroll and if you can pay 
Bryce Terang, the minimum, and teach him how to play center field playing one day a week in Nashville. And he can be your spark in the second half of the season rather than trading for Cedric Mullins, who's probably going to earn quite a bit more in arbitration over the next few years because of uh, his all-star season. Then it's that's probably in the equation uh, more than it more than it should be for any sports franchise. Uh, it upsets me. I don't like that kind of conversation. We all know that's the reality of it, particularly with the Brewers. Um, but it's just, you know what's good for making money? Winning games. Go win a World Series and you'll you'll make more money. Like it is, it is part of the reality of it too. If you want to make sure your team is profitable and a recognizable brand and desirable on all fronts, get yourself as deep into the, the postseason as you can or go in at all. Like there, there is a point where your team is good. Got to speculate to accumulate. And that's even if you're on a tight budget. I have, uh, I have proven that I will bankrupt myself for sport. So you want to make the world series this year, Brewers? I'll probably be there. <laughs> Give me all your baked potatoes. So, to go back to them, what you touched on uh, before that, which is it was actually for a team that hasn't really had a whole lot in terms of ins and outs and ups and downs in terms of roster moves so far this season. Um, it was a busy week for the Brewers for a few different reasons. Yeah, absolutely. While I stall, while I pull up the roster moves. Um <laughs> Well, I, I think I can remember a lot of it. I just I've, the, the I've, sequencing. I've, yeah, I've got it. I've got it here. Uh, Started so, a week. Victor Cartini also came down with the Andrew Snyders. You know, yes. uh, he had COVID, so he went to the ten day IL. Uh, yeah. So Alex Caratini, Jackson came up. Caratini has returned. Um, Alex Jackson is now heading back to Nashville along with Mike Brasso. Uh, Jose Urania has been designated for assignment and Luis Urias has been activated from the, the 10 day IL. Uh, he started his season there because of a quad injury. And now he's back after spending uh, some time with the Biloxi. Yeah, Shuckers. that's right. Um, Adam and I had a private conversation about the pronunciation <laughs> of Biloxi. Well, like just, is, uh, I was watching some Shuckers uh, and the commentator's pronunciation caught me off because there was a little bit of extra, little bit of extra heat Luxy. on it, uh, which would even be different to how you would say it, I would say it. But yeah, and for further research, I think we're all good with Biloxi. Um, yeah, and this is one of the situations which is a rare opportunity for me to translate for Adam, whereas Adam, you know, had to prepare me to uh, understand uh, Scouse accents last week um, in, in this situation. But nevertheless, I think obviously the big news there is uh, Luis Arias coming back last year. He had a really solid season after moving from shortstop to third base after the Willie Domus trade hit 249, 345, 445 for 789 uh, OPS. And the big big stat last year. Now, (laughs) who knows how it'll be affected by all the baseball drama, um, but he had 23 home runs last year really seemed to settle in and find a home at third base. And he's got a delightfully charming friendship with Adamus. Uh, if you read any articles about that, it will endear you to both of them. And it, it'll be great to just have him back in the lineup. I mean, Mike Brasso really did a solid job, I think, or at least a 
better than <laughs> than Jace Peterson largely um, whenever he got his at bats. Um, I don't I don't think Brasso's time in Milwaukee is done this year. It's a long season. There will be injuries. Um, uh, I, I wanted to say if Jace continues to just like absolutely provide nothing, maybe he'll come back up at some point. But the right left thing, Craig Council is not going to let himself have two right handed third basemen on the roster. Brasso in his uh, short time, 33 plate appearances, 250 batting average, 364 OBP, uh, 357 slugging. And he did have that home run against the Cubs. So um, a 721 OPS in uh, 35 plate appearances uh, of relief duty. Uh, good job for Mike Brasso, but it's nice to see Urias back. It's nice that uh, Council and Stearns made the decision to keep Gustave on the roster over Arrhenia, and then it was due to true talent level rather than contract situations. So I think the overall, um, I was that's, happy That's Ross. a plus to the whole the cost conversation, at least. It's, you know, that's one decision on the very small level of the scale, but... Um, making the right call on that to, so to from what i understand and you can you can clarify for me urena is available for other organizations to claim at this point and then if he clears waivers the brewers will have the option to have him within the minor league system is that right yeah and i think also hold on um i think he also has the option of um declining the assignment um, and then becoming a free agent. So okay. the team has 10 days to trade him, um, waive him, release him, or reassign him to the minor leagues. So in 10 days, he'll either go to Nashville or no longer be a brewer. Cool. Uh, for for Luis Arias, it's a kind of a testament to the way the brewers have been racking up wins at this point in the season that I, we probably didn't talk about him as much or we didn't need to. But this is a big deal considering the options they were playing with at third base, both defensively and offensively. And really, when we're talking about the struggling offense, I mean, he was the Brewers leader in hits last year, Brewers leader in OBP, second in home runs, second in RBI. Like, this is an important bat for this team and also someone who should really shore up what they were looking at just overall in the, the third base picture. So... You've got a, a Brewers team with a very, very um, better than respectable 15-8 and eight record to this point in the season that should be just about to get a major, major shot in the arm. Absolutely. It's um, like, like, uh, like I joked on an earlier podcast, Adam, uh, it's like a new signing for Brewers, bringing them back into the fold. Um, Shall we go to Master Brew Points for the Cubs series? No, but we'll do before that. Um, one thing before we, we go to Master Brew Points and wrap up on that. Um, we should announce something we're going to do going forward and lead into, um, I guess, our, our expanding coverage of the Brewers, our attempts to be more comprehensive and maybe in particular with an eye on some of the, the center field questions uh, for later in the season, maybe what, what the options could be. We're going to start episode to episode, so it's going to be series to series, alternating between the Brewers affiliates and doing check-ins. We'll watch some of the games from the affiliates, and we'll we'll talk through what some of the numbers are kind of showing up, touch on kind of key prospects within the Brewers system. So 
this is this is next level commitment at record time. Um, if I didn't expect to be hosting a baseball podcast little over five, six weeks ago, I certainly wasn't expecting to be digging as deep as the minor leagues, but that is what we're going to do now. So starting on our next episode, which is likely going to be on Friday. Thursday night, Friday. You'll you'll probably you'll hear it on Friday one way or the other. Um, we will talk a little bit about the the Nashville Sounds and most likely Ethan Small's insane hot start to the season. Um, but look, a whole bunch of other stuff going on there, and we'll be able to see how Mike Brasso is getting on down there this week. Um, Alex Jackson and just the overall picture. And there was some there was some movement too within the the minor league system with uh, South Relic going up from the Timber Rattlers to Biloxi, right? Uh, yep. So he's part of uh, a really interesting uh, outfield now with Joey Weimer and Garrett Mitchell. So that'll, that'll be a team that we're definitely checking in on. I mean, uh, when I started like baseball <laughs> blogging many years ago, prospects were kind of like my beat i just tried to like carve out a little niche for myself and now it's like a, a whole thing so i would be way behind like I, I was faking it then and i would even more so be faking it now if i was so comprehensive but i'm very well versed in watching milb.tv streams and trying to make sense of uh grainy footage of oh i was i was sampling players. some for the first time in the past few days and I did expect it, but the variance from team to team um, in terms of what you're going to get in broadcast and the quality you're looking at is certainly something. So, yeah, by the time we get to uh, a Timber Rattlers check-in, there's going to be... We're going to have some fun maybe working out some of those things, but I'm excited for it. As am I. I mean, there are a lot of guys I'm really interested in, not just Ethan Small, I promise. No, there are, there are a lot of guys, and there seems to be some evidence of um, the Brewers trying some interesting thing with position players and really putting an emphasis on versatility as well, which is something I think with quite a few of those guys will will probably end up talking about. All right, Andrew, let's wrap this thing up with our master brew points. Um, I'll I'll hand it over to you to run through that, but before we do, will we? Like give a recap of where things stand, how the leaderboard looks. Yeah, take us to the leaderboard, Adam. So, of course, on our last um, our last episode, we had a I don't know, come to Jesus moment of sorts, Andrew, where we reworked some of the some of the thought process that goes into this. How we're weighting different contributions between pitching, between hitting, and how this should all shake out. Chris Yelich. Uh, retrospectively got a point for our controversial decision to not award his Grand Slam um, a week or 10 days before that, and the leaderboard took shape. So going into this week, Master Brew leaderboard has Josh Hader in front with four brew points, Rowdy Tellers and Corbin Burns in second, share a second with three each. Then it's Brandon Woodruff and Willie Adamas with two each. And with a single point, we have a group of Christian Yelich, Andrew McCutcheon, Colton Wong, Freddie Peralta, Eric Lauer, and Devin Williams. 
who's joining or who is climbing this week, Andrew? Climbing this week, um, first of all, Willie Adamas, four for 12, two walks, three runs, two RBI, double and a homer. He was the National League Player of the Week uh, for MLB um, and, you know, continues to be on the ascent. He had had a, a slump after a hot start, and now he's climbing back up. Christian Yelich, four for 12, two walks, three runs, four RBI, two home run, uh, homers in back-to-back games, which was nice to see. Hunter Renfro, five for 12, five runs scored, five RBI, three home runs, showing that opposite field power. Rowdy Tellez, who, you know, it seems like one game a series, he's not going to get the chance to start, but if he did, we imagine he'd add more to this. It's the hill we will die on all season. Three for eight, three runs scored, three RBI, a double, and a homer. On that, can I just on that to back us up because we keep talking about that? I was just having a look at uh, runs created per 27 outs. Roddy Tallis is the Brewers leader. Like, I, I don't think it's it's particularly shocking to find that out, but um, he's got 5.2 runs created per 27 outs, which, like, for context, William Damas, who's hitting the ball pretty well at this point, 4.6, under Renfro, 4.4. Like the only guys who are coming close to to Rowdy are dealing with much, or actually, sorry, Mike Mike Brasso is ahead of him on five point three on a small sample size, and Victor Caratini at five point oh. So, I, I think the the picture there is pretty clear that in terms of the opportunity, he is more than delivering. He is, and we just want to see more. <laughs> but you know, it's a it's a long season, and we'll see what happens. Uh, joining, I think. For the first time this season, getting a brew point, Adrian Hauser, six innings pitch, six strikeouts, two hits, three walks. Um, he's got a two five three ERA on the season. Adam, I like I said, I we know who my favorite team was growing up, and they were, you know, renowned for their just pitching down the line, Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz, and then you'd throw in like a Kevin Millwood or a Steve Avery, and you'd have these back half of the rotation guys like that you wouldn't talk about because of how top-heavy the rotation was in terms of having all-timers there, but guys that were not just as good, but right there. And this season, potentially just as good in terms of performance so far. And joining again for the second time in as many weeks, Eric Lauer, seven innings pitch, 11 strikeouts, five hits, uh, one run, it was earned, and a one nine three ERA on the season. Brewers pitching, man. Like, it, it's, uh, it's a scene. <laughs> Uh, I think it was on the was I think it was after the Lauer game or late in that game where it was said on the the Body Sports Wisconsin broadcast like uh, at this point maybe everyone just has to pivot from three aces talk to six aces because it, it kind of is more reflective of where the the Brewers pitching staff is at this point. And uh, I just keep in my mind's eye projecting into October where you have shortened rotations. And so maybe in that five game series, you only have to have three starters, but then you get to like fill in the middle parts of games with like a Lauer or Hauser or Nashby coming in. It's like, oh, I just had to face Freddie Peralta for six innings. And uh, I thought I was getting a break because Devin Williams pitched two nights in a row. Oh, God, now I have to face Eric Lauer and he's blowing me away uh, in a short innings that he's throwing 98 now because he can go max effort. So it's just the, the options is, this rotation provides is amazing. Uh, as we mentioned, Adam, the Brewers need to take advantage of this portion of the schedule. Uh, this week they will take on 
the Cincinnati Reds uh, tonight, Tuesday, May 3rd. The worst team in baseball. Indeed, the worst team in baseball. Uh, hold on. I've got their record in front of me right They're here. They're 3-19. and 3-19. Three, three and 19. They, I believe they won two games in either a four-game series or, or a three-game series against the defending champs Braves in the first series of the season, and they've gone like one for 18 or something. <laughs> Something since that point. Minus uh, 65 run differential, lost six straight, one and nine in their last 10. It's baseball, so the Brewers could lose the game this series, but just don't. Just but don't do, do it. Please don't. Just don't do it. Uh, I mean, also uh, on that though, like matchup wise, you're getting Woody, you're getting Freddie, and Adrian Houses look great. Like, but getting. Getting two of three games against the Reds with that kind of record and having two of your top three pitchers get starts, like let's just not have a repeat of game three in Chicago or against Chicago with the offense. And I don't think there's anything to worry about here. Yeah, uh, tonight uh, against the Cincinnati, uh, six forty Central uh, first pitch, Brandon Woodruff versus Tyler Maley. Tomorrow, May 4th, a 640 Central first pitch, Freddie Peralta versus Vladimir Gutierrez. And then Thursday, we've got a what they call it a businessman special, Adam. You're, you're in town for the conference. You stayed over one night, 1240 first pitch, and you get to watch uh, Adrian Hauser take on Hunter Green, who is uh, a prospect for the Reds, throws very hard. Um, one and three to start the season with a six ERA. So hasn't looked great, but he's got incredible stuff and projects to be uh, a really interesting player down the line. But we'll see if that bears out. So three against the Reds this week. And next episode, we'll talk about the series on the weekend, which is the Milwaukee Brewers versus the Atlanta Braves. Uh, and I'll have more thoughts on that uh, on the next <laughs> sure episode. sure you will. I'm sure you will. I'm looking forward to that one. Um, Andrew, I don't know how your voice is doing. I don't know should we postpone this, but we make it our business at this point in the podcast. We ask all of you, you know, we're still a new podcast. You're still building our following. We want to get the word out. We want people to know that what we're doing here is worth their time. If you think it's good, let people know it's good. And with that, we ask that you go and you leave us five star ratings and if you're so inclined, if you're particularly if you're an Apple podcast user, that you go and leave us a review. And so far, a number of you have been kind enough to leave ratings. We've had a few great reviews. And one of those um, from good, good friend of the show, Discord member, playback staple, playback Linking King, I believe, is how John likes to uh, likes to be known. But we we got a, a pretty a pretty special review, which was titled "The Perfect Seventh Inning Stretch," and at this point, Andrew, I'm gonna hand the baseball over to you. Yes, I'm prepared to do this. First of all, I do want to say uh, what led me to this po- this podcast venture was the feeling that the baseball community I was in wasn't a community and wasn't something that I felt a part of, where I felt that I could identify with. And there's a lot worse things happening in the world, as we can see because of leaked reports and war and things going on over the world. But, you know, having COVID and being trapped in 
uh, a hotel across the world wasn't necessarily something that could have been the best thing for my mental health. But along with my friends and family, you know, in the real world, the GSBN podcast community and the people that listen to the Cruising for a Bruising podcast and the interact in the Discord really did a great job of like lifting my spirits and making me feel like I wasn't alone. And, you know, John is one of these people who is always there with a joke or a, a comment during games and, you know, being feeling alone, but getting to talk through Brewers games uh, while I was kind of in my bubble was a very nice experience. And on that note, I have to to pay my debt to society. Apologies <laughs> in advance, everyone. Take me to the GSB and sub stack. Take me to the cruising for a bruising pod. Buy me some crew necks and socks to match. I don't care if I have to authenticate the playback. Let me watch and support the whole team. If they don't monetize, it's a shame. For it's one, two, three likes and subscribes at the cruising podcast page with love. JTXVX, the playback linking king on Discord. Um, I'm keeping my day job. Andrew, is... that was better than I expected. Um, well, I, th- you know, I'm I'm on not a lot of sleep. Uh, <laughs> I've I've always had uh, a face for radio and a voice for print. So here we go. Yeah, I didn't think your voice was sounding great today. Uh, you had a long travel day. You're still in recovery from COVID nineteen, but that was that was beautifully delivered. Uh, thanks to John for the great review for penning the lyrics for Andrew to deliver. And you don't necessarily have to write songs to the tune of "Take Me Out to the Ball Game." If you do, though, you will possibly hear Andrew sing a lot more. So <laughs> there is that incentive out there. But please, if you're enjoying the pod. Uh, five-star ratings and leave reviews on your podcast platform of choice. Asking for reviews and then ending it with a threat right there, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That is it for us. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your pods. That's cruising for a bruising. You should also subscribe to the Eurostep Podcast Network. It is the network we are a part of here on Blue Wire. It is the home to all Milwaukee books content, um, which particularly throughout this playoff run, I'm sure a lot of you are very much interested in. Andrew is is making some appearances over there in in Bookland too now. I am almost always there. Um, It's rare that there's a moment where I'm not on microphone at the moment, it seems like. So to hear more of that and to hear myself and Jordan on Winning Six, Ty and Rowan on the Eurostep and all of us collectively, which is really what most of the pods throughout the playoffs are, Eurostep Podcast Network. Go subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Twitter at BrewersGSPN. I'm at AdamMiggy11. Andrew's at AC Snide. If you want to pick up any merch to rep the pod, GSPNStore.com. Andrew is sporting his Cruising for a Bruising uh, sweatshirt now that he has been, he's been waiting to get it. It was waiting for him while he was stranded in the UK. How, how do you feel about it? What are, you, what are your thoughts? Touching the product, seeing it? Give us it your feels review. great. Um... The crew necks run a little small, so okay. I, ordered, I ordered a size up. I'm normally a medium. This is a large, little. I, I don't know. It feels it feels right. So if you're if you're medium, maybe go for a large. It might you know, but it's it's one of the more comfortable crew necks I've ever owned. I don't know if I'll ever take it off. Probably won't. And we've had a great response generally to the launch of our GSPN store. But I am very happy, proud to report that the clear leader in the clubhouse at the moment for 
for merch bought, merch ordered, merch being repped even in stadiums, um, seems to be cruising for a bruising. So thank you to all of you for that. And if you want to keep supporting us, you can always do that. The merch looks great. We'll, we'll work on there'll be some more designs down the line, I'm sure. But there's plenty up there. So if you want to support the team, gspnstore.com. I think that's pretty much it. We will work on getting a play back together. If you want to watch along with the Brewers with us very soon, it may not be this week, but early next week. Um, if not, and we'll keep you on the loop on that. Until the next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place the elites in charge say everything's fine stop noticing but you know better and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos my patriot supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company americans trust to prepare go to mypatriotsupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com